You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kibalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This is on principle. I'm not going to say challenges in Jewish education. Uh, and I'm also not going to say, and I'm Zoycha to have someone from Eretz Yisrael, which is true, but I'm not going to say it because, Baruch Hashem, although we thought Rabbi Yitzchok Adlerstein, who is, of course, in Eretz Yisrael, and is, of course, a, uh, I'm going to miss it, I'm going to miss say it again because, you know, for something's wrong with me, but he is, of course, the director of interfaith affairs for the Weizenthal, right? I got it? Weizenthal. Let's say it again. The important thing is that he's obviously an important social influencer because he's been on on principle a number of times, which puts me up there someplace near Kim Kardashian. <laughs> Thank you for starting it off that way. I'll go upon him. Although we have to give, we have to give anyway. The point though is generally I am found in New Jersey somewhere or somewhere in the shores of the Northeast of North America, where Rabitzkok is usually found. Uh, in Eretz Yisrael, where he is tonight. But Baruch Hashem, tonight, I'm joining him, although we're not physically in the same room. I, Baruch Hashem, am Zohar to be in Eretz Yisrael, right near, uh, I guess, the epicenter, really, for many people, for Yerushalayim, King George and Yafo area, where Baruch Hashem, uh, I'm able to speak to him from these offices of Mortgage Israel. So, a little commercial from my host, Mortgage Israel, if you are interested in making Aliyah, and boy, I am very interested, I can tell you that, Mortgage Israel, they will help you tremendously. So I'm giving them this free commercial for on principle because we want to encourage Aliyah Territory. So Rabbi thank you for making time on a late Thursday night, uh, relatively late Thursday night. I wasn't going to miss the opportunity to see how supercharged you've become just through a visit here. Hopefully that, uh, that will translate into something more permanent and maybe you can even infect some of your listeners because the way things are going right now, they're gonna they're gonna miss out on uh, on the Chassam Sofer who said that if you move to Eretz Yisrael because the Goyim chase you there, you're not yet say the Mitzvah Yisrael Eretz Yisrael. We are rapidly getting there. Although there are much 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 better reasons for coming to Israel that have nothing to do with declining fortunes of the Jewish community in America. Well, it is incredible, really, and we've talked a little halachically about my status here, but I don't want to get too personal, but what I will say is that... No, get personal. Okay. I will start with a vignette. Besides the bracha that I gave to the grusha tonight, double grusha, who asked me for a bracha when she discovered with my... uh, The person who was accompanying me told her that I was a rabbi, so she wanted a bracha from me. And she's dressed not in a mini skirt, but in a short skirt and, and selling hats and other accoutrements in the Ben Yehud area. And immediately what she wanted was a bracha. She wanted a bracha to find the right husband and, and, and with a tremendous amount of respect, despite the fact that she was the farthest thing from a Haredi, a Haredia that you can imagine. But here she was being so open, friendly and respectful of the fact that I, in some small way, represented Tyra to her. And I, of course, I gave her a brocha and I explained to her a number of things about why the husband that she was pining to go back to, who was a, a serial adulterer and a liar, but she showed me his picture and she wanted me to understand how connected she was to his physical form. And I, we talked about what that means, how the physical form withers away and what's really important. Serial adulterer and what else did you say? A continuous liar. 
Is he running for election next thing? <laughs> Could be. I, I didn't look close enough at, at his picture and at the other pictures that are adorning all the highways here. But I will tell you, that is the type of interaction that happens almost consistently. And it could happen in any taxi cab. It could happen in any... We've been here almost five years, and these interactions occur, I won't say every day, but with regularity, including people who define themselves not as Haredi, not as Datilomi, not as Mesorti, not even as indifferent, but anti-Dat. You get these people who pull you into conversations and tell you different Torah. And you see that despite themselves, that there's a connection. There's a connection to the land. There's a connection to Torah. There's a connection to the people. There is a sense of peoplehood here, which, you know, it may have existed one time in America. I'm still a proud American and a patriotic American, but never have I felt the sense of belonging or the sense of camaraderie, even with people I don't like. <laughs> over here. Let me, let me add another vignette. And it just happened about an hour and a half ago. And by the way, you might have noticed that the first Geshem occurred uh, tonight. And, and it was an incredible clash of thunder. The, the, the smiles that you saw on everyone's face. It's happening, yes. Like, can you imagine, like, in New Jersey or in L.A., like, all of a sudden, everybody at this doors is, is actually smiling at, at the Rebbeinu show, bringing down lightning and thunder. Was incredible, but as that thunderstorm was happening, even before it occurred, my friend who was accompanying me, we were looking for a bookstore. Why did we want a bookstore? Because my daughter wants to read American and English classics in translation. So we were looking for A Tale of Two Cities. We were looking for Tess of the Dubervilles. We were looking for something in Hebrew, something that she could appreciate and and and, and really. Delve or actually show the complete Sherlock Holmes. I, Stamatsky's did not have it. Stamatsky's had the Lord of the Rings, a Harry Potter. They called the main Stamatsky's. They didn't have it. So me and my friend are walking down the street. I said, wait, that's a bookstore. Holzer's bookstore. I don't know if you've ever been there before, but Reb Holzer, who runs the store, clearly is a sleuth because he is able to assemble as Vinot. He's able to assemble many people like myself who are saddled with 10,000 farm and have no place for it to go because they're getting, he's getting Matthias and things that are rare out of print. You can't find them anywhere. I walk into this bookstore. I said, wait, that's a bookstore. I was a hundred yards away from it, but I could tell. I said, wait, that's a bookstore. There we could maybe find. Let's go in there. Of course, I went in there and right away, within 30 seconds, I was engaged in a discussion as to Shia Leibowitz's works, as to how many volumes was his work on Meir Nebuchadnezzar, his popular shiurim. And I was talking with a fellow there without a kippah, and we were going back and forth about all Shia Leibowitz's books. And I told him that the one that I feel is the most important of his works, if you want to know who he is, is the tiny little volume, Dosu Medina, which is only about about 110 pages, and he agreed with me, and we talked about it. And here we are having this discussion, this guy, this fellow here. And it was, again, incredible. Within 30 seconds, we're talking about Shai Leibowitz. A woman comes in out of the rain. She joins the discussion as well. The man, as I leave, he he, he tells me that he comes every week to this bookstore to hear a shear in Moran Avuchim, 
itself. And I said to him, okay, I'm going to give you a bracha then, the way the Rambam would give you a bracha. And I said to him that the Koach within him should develop into the point that he's masig, dvarim yisodim, the eternal ideas, and by being masig those eternal ideas, he should therefore be makabel netzach with the Bari Oilam. But I told him also, I said, but as you know from Meir Nebuchim, you need to, doing mitzvot is a great way to get there. And therefore, I encourage you to use those mitzvot as a way for you to get to that hasoga philosophish that you desire so dearly. Very clever. Very clever. So do, do I belong here or do I not belong here? <laughs> I don't know. I'm telling you, 10 years since I've been here, I don't have any interactions like that in the Chutz Lords, almost ever. Okay. For those people in your audience who you've lost because they don't really have a copy of Mara Nebuchim, nor have they opened it. But I think my friend here is saying is that you get involved in, in unbelievable conversations with strangers who are passionate about thought, who are passionate about Jewish things, who are passionate about Jewish history. And it's so much better than the passions that we see in the streets of New York, which are of a, of a very, very different kind and usually far more dangerous. But yes, the, the pe- people here are great, even the people who are so different from, from each other. To me, one of the big tragedies, since this is a uh, podcast on education, is what a failure Orthodox education has been, both in the United States and here in some communities. Uh, essentially, the, uh, I have a hard time speaking to my grandchildren about the importance of, of what we have here. They're happy here. They love it. But they know virtually nothing about the history of the present Yishuv. They know nothing about the state other than we don't like it because we're Haredi. Uh, but they could never offer an argument about what it is that they really hate other than they're trying to kill religion, which, of course, is true of a, more than a handful of people. But it's not where the country is. It's not even where the government is. It's not the, the life that you experience here. And it it's really is a, a shocking failure that especially in the Haredi community, both here and in the United States, so little is taught about the centrality of Eretz Yisrael in our machshava. Except, let's say, Rabbi Yitzchak, as you say, a, a certain glorified image of Vavilyoshev, of Chaim Kanievsky, a, a certain, a, a, a very narrow, beautiful little B'nai Brak, Meyusharim, little image of that, or these audacious, like celebratory events. Uh, the Deer Shoe and other places that I worked for, you know, promote where you have everybody there and the people. But the, the two vignettes that I just told you now that happened to me within the last two hours that happened to you consistently. And I'm, not, I'm, I'm leaving out, by the way, the fellow who I uh, took a, a ride from Katamon to Ben Yehuda area, the guy who I got into the car with, the, the, the taxi driver. His story, the fact that he was on the lookout for people never who needed rides, the way he brought them in, the discussion that we had about what makes a good person, that the main thing is, and the answers that I was giving him about 
understanding why people argue over 10 shekel and, 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 and how you could perhaps change that. And the commonality, he's 64, I'm 62, we're talking about our lives, we're talking about who our children are. That was in the cab as we were getting there. And that, again, part of it is me because I'm gregarious, I'm a podcaster, but part of it is because I can, I can only be a podcaster to someone who's willing to come out easily out of his shell. And Eretz Yisrael is full of that. And the attitudes are sometimes, as you say, difficult to swallow, but the heart, the soul, the feeling is something which is, is missed. And what can we do, Rabbi Yitzchak, you think, as, as, a, as an educator for so many years, what can we do besides give people this glorified, uh, sanctified version of what life in Eretz Yisrael was? What can we do to, for the B'nai Chutzlaret not just to encourage Aliyah, like is done by the Mizrahis, who, you know, who it's all, let, let me now add something parenthetically. They sell a lot of, if not untruths, but they don't sell it exactly the way it is. My son, who was a Chayal Bodeid, suffered. He suffered for his religiosity. So I guess what I'm saying is the rose-colored, a fairy dust sprinkled version that you sometimes hear from Mavdalim or whatever, you know, from the Sachnut is not the story. But how can we sell it in a way that we can encourage really Avas Haaretz in that way? I think first and foremost, we, we have to teach history seriously, not as just a very, very cursory overview of Golos for 2,000 years. There were a lot of Goyim and they tried to kill us and uh, they succeeded most of the time, and we're still here today. Uh, but an in, in in-depth appreciation of what Jewish life was, of what poverty was, what persecution was, what self-government was in some areas, so many beautiful things. And then how things got worse and worse and worse in the, in the 19th century, and how there were stirrings to maybe come back and how against the odds it was, and, and, and nobody could believe it, and what it took to get us here today. I think that the people who embraced the, the celebratory bubble that you talked about, about Revol Yasha, the incredible burgeoning of Torah here, would appreciate it even more if they could contrast it with what was before. If they, if, if they would read my neighbor, uh, the master work on yeshivas of Litta, Charles Stamford, and, and understand what it was to be a yeshiva, yeshiva bacher or a kolal avreich in Europe not so many years ago, and how that has changed, and what Messiris Nefesh took, and, and who was responsible for, for, on a human level, of getting us here. There's so much to appreciate and so much that people would appreciate. And it would, it would deepen people's appreciation of the mitzvah of Yeshav Eretz Yisrael and maybe even increase their appreciation of their neighbors who are not from. But it has to start with history. Even in schools that teach history, it's such a sanitized version of history without the real depth of what Eretz Yisrael always meant in the center of Jewish longing. Yeah, well, again, you, you, I guess in, in some ways, I thought you were going to talk also about 
teaching Tanakh in the more. And we and we had, I think one of our on principle shows was about Tanakh and I got it that we talked about. And I think you probably need to connect things back in some way. Maybe spend the first quarter of the year not just learning the psukim and the radaks inside, but actually looking at the big political picture of, of the malachim without necessarily, you know, with, with, without the Haskalah flag being planted in the middle. I think that that, that is important. I, I will tell you, by the way, when I was in Ashkelon yesterday, uh, I noticed that on many, many street signs, like my friend, the Makubal, Nasanata Glick, lives on Gidon ben Yoash. On his street, there's a little two-line description of who Gidon ben Yoash was, right? And when we come to uh, Tzvi Segal, who's somehow one of the people who signed the Declaration of Independence, there's a little thing about him as well. I was very zufrieden when I was at the corner of Ibn Ezra and Menachem Begin. You know, <laughs> I'll go up on him, but, but, but there in those street signs, uh, they actually, you know, they try that everyone who stops there does get that little message. It's almost like Lahavdil, like what I, as you know, I work in a, as a mashkiach at the A&H company, which I'd like to give them a commercial today, but unfortunately, I'm not there with them, but they do have great product. But one of the things I noticed in A&H, that they put up signs about how, uh, uh, among the workers, about not, you know, Xing out ex- expletives, that the workers should not use nivel pet. Okay, does it make a difference? You put that sign up everywhere, it makes a difference. They see it, it makes a difference. The same way I've noticed, by the way, and just again, uh, an observation, 10 years ago, I did not see the signs, Shemor al-Nikion, Shemor al-Nikion. I see that everywhere now. And I think it's going to, I think it's making a difference. It sounds, what am I, three years old? There is something about this reinforcement of seeing the messages over again that even the, the most cynical grub person will say, okay, yeah, I guess maybe I should pick up that cigarette butt, those pepitas that are on the floor. I shouldn't let them stay on the elevator floor. I should pick them up. Yeah, I, I, I think that th- those signs reinforce things, but there's a, something else that's transpired in the last years. And that was that that is that from an original confrontation clash between two very definite visions of what Israeli culture was supposed to be, kind of a Sephardic, Mediterranean one and a Western one, and how for a while never the twain shall meet. In the last decades, and certainly in the last years, with so many people coming from different cultures, not necessarily those two, and intermarrying, except in the Haredi world, but in the rest in the rest of in the rest of Israel, there has been a successful blending of diversity. I know it's a terrible word to use because it makes people shudder. They think of progressives in the United States, but diversity can be a good thing. Hakadosh Baruch Hu likes diversity. We have many of the Midrashim, and it has worked here. We now have such a cross fertilization of different uh, cultures. And whether it's in cuisine and in restaurants or in music, even bringing them into the, into, into the from world, that's also. So we have westernized a little bit more. There's even such a thing as customer service. Not so much, but we're getting there. There is a musag of politeness in many areas. I, well, again, you're right. You have to scratch sometimes a scraggly surface to get there. 
You know, you, you, you mentioned about the, the colonization, the cultures. I have to, again, we talk about what we hear in the United States in terms of diversity, inclusivity. Let, let me call, I'm not going to word, use the word spade. Let me call what it is. What happens is, is that there's been a tremendous effort to make sure that African Americans, Blacks, are represented in any sorts of commercials or any sorts of television programs. And it's not your typical, the guy that gets killed off first. It's not the guy who's just the best friend. So th- there's been a tremendous effort. Now, I see an Eretz Yisrael, and again, I, I, I've heard echoes of some dissatisfaction. But in the week that I've been here, I've seen in Gat, in Kiryat Gat, in Ashkelon, in many of these places, wonderful involvement with Ethiopian Jews who are Givaldic. There's not any sort of sense of, um, you know, whitey, blacky. It, it really is, in many ways, has been a success. I know there's been some pushback. I will tell you, I mentioned this to you before we started recording, when we were off pod, as they say, when we were off pod. But as I went to find out the time for Hashanah Rabbah davening, uh, Sunday morning, I went into the shul and I saw an Ethiopian fellow being masber with his love was the pshat in Rishlokish in Makis to this other fellow, uh, a person who looked for from European extraction. And I was saying to myself, Rishlokish in the Pamal Yishomala is being misameyak shayim kamoyu. He is mamish svosov daivovos together. Here they are people, four or five generations, beta Yisrael. What did they know from Rishlokish, right? What did they have? They maybe had a menorah. They maybe knew to be madlik neiros so once in a while. And here are their descendants being oisek ba'oimek shosugis. What a tremendous nest this is. Again, and who was the one that was poiled this nest? It was Rabbeinu Shalom. But what shuyach did he use? He used people that weren't datim. He used people in, in, in the ranks of government. He used Mossad agents. He used people. None of them laid tefillin. None of them said, And he made them to be matzled and to bring back these people. What a nest this is. What a nest this is. When Begin sends those kids to Uganda to be matzled, or to knock out the Iranian nuclear center. My bonim, I'm sending our bonim, our bonim there. All these things are, are stuff which I believe our Haredi schools in America are not getting a mashu of that, a shemitz of that, a garnish. And, and that is, that nest, the nest of, I'm not ready to, to say halal with a broch on Yom Atzmut, but Rav Aaron Salvechik was correct. The Hakomas Medina. <laughs> Was my sinisim. I don't know which day to be coveyed on, but I can tell you this much. And you can definitely see that. I, I know you're in agreement with me because you're shaking your head. Absolutely. And Ravaran Soloveitchik was also the one who many decades ago made the observation that for all those who sing Zakai cannot be from these secular people that anything positive would come. He pointed to one of our Haftoros, the Arba Mitzorayim. Uh, who, by the way, have no chelik and olam haba, and yet they were the agents through which the Hatsala of Yerushalayim occurred. So Rav Aaron said, don't tell me that a Yeshua can't come from people who are far from Torah and Mitzvahs. It can, and it did. And that is maybe the single most important point of all the historical concepts that we conveyed, is the sheer number of people who were most nefesh 
in this little vinkle, in this area, who came up with this concept, till you see this marvelous, incredible country that we have here today. And I'm not even adding here the Russian Aliyah. The Russian Aliyah, which maybe what didn't have the drama of the Ethiopian and the Yemenite Hatzalah, but even the Russian Aliyah, especially as we, as, as we hear the headlines about torture and martial law and bombing. And I walk on the Tayelet in Ashkelon, and I see groups and groups of Russian people. I'm not biting their tzitzes, but I see, look at them. Look at these Pleitas Yisrael. They're sitting there as Jews. They know they're in a Jewish country. And it's clearly something that needs to be uh, applauded, taught about. It needs to be taught. It needs to be understood. And Enochinami, Eretz Hatzvi, Eretz Hatzvi, Mamish. You get really the feeling, whether it's in the elevator or in the cab, that they will make room for you. So, Rav Yitzchok, all I can tell you now is we'll keep this recording and you'll play it back to me in a couple of months and say, no, no, Avram, how come you're not here in the same room with me anymore? And maybe we'll, uh, we'll see each other before because um, I'm launching my own podcast. It's called Two Rabbis, Three Opinions. So who do you do the podcast with? Who's the second rabbi? That you with uh, Rabbi Levi Friedman, who's a bit of a phenom in uh, Ramat Beit Shemesh. Oh, I hope, I hope to meet him. Uh, decades ago and started the uh, Acharedi school with serious, serious secular studies, serious attention to Midos. I don't know if that was maybe a reference that uh, Goimlim is at play. I've had you on. Maybe at least as your show is getting its sea legs, maybe you want to have the curator of the IDT Yeshiva Viewer podcast on it. As, as long as you have something to say, to my real audience, which is people who grew up with yeshiva training and still think somewhat like Westerners and are not renouncing their, their Western values and have a time buying into all of the limitations and restrictions and isolation. You give me my talking points. I'm ready to come on the show. I hope I can boost your downloads. Take care, everybody. Rabbi Yitzchak, be well, everybody. Good Shabbos from Yerushalayim, Irakadosh. Be well, everybody. Take care. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 